What's up, everyone? This is Press X to Start Podcast Season 5, Episode 42. Press X to Start Podcast is an audio and video podcast seeking to transform the video game media landscape through an underserved and protected point of view. Restorative justice for the underrepresented programmers, developers, and consumers. I am your host, DJ, a.k.a. Sexy Bad Choices, a.k.a. Daddy Long Legs. I don't got a you know for today. I'm working on something now. And he just waved. I'm also here. Just, uh, <laughs> just, uh, I, I know I'm the last person anyone wants to see, but I'm also right. here. I'm the only one. Well, with just two people, you're the last person. <laughs> it's a good old By fireside. the way, that's Avery for those who don't know. Yeah. yeah. Good old fireside <laughs> chat. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, with that being said and us being introduced, let us talk to you about what we will be talking about in this podcast. So... Uh, we'll be talking about some delays, uh, most of them being very big. Unfortunately, Blizzard lost a very important uh, CEO, or a co- co-head, I should say. And we will be talking about the Elden Ring gameplay. So, uh, with all that being said, let us get into the first section, which is what we've been playing. So, Avery, what yes. have been playing? Uh, I've been saying in the chat... For at least the uh, last three to four weeks, new season, new me, and it's a new season of Apex Legends. We're at season 11. Who thought we'd be here? No one. Just me, though. I saw that game, and I saw it, and I'm like, we're going to be here forever. We're going to be a thriving eSport. We're going to be the best Battle Royale. Call of Duty, who knows? Who cares? They need to fix their anti-cheat. Whatever. But no, in all seriousness, yeah, we're in Apex season 11. Uh, they brought a brand new map out. Uh, which is Stormfront, which is a tropical island-themed map with flora and fauna that can kill you, which I'm not really a fan of, but essentially, beyond the POIs and the chokes and all the rotations on now I have to think of, and there mm-hmm. are nests of prowlers, which were like these minor enemies that you could see in other sections of Apex, which will, if you enter, oh, okay. if you enter into their, like, area, they will attack you. So, like... If That's actually kind of cool. It is unless you're trying to rap for RP because you can literally stand a, a foot outside of where you think the threatened area is and they'll just rush yeah. you. And then everyone will know who you are. He'll die. It's a whole thing. <laughs> oh. like like, okay, that's a, so are, those, are those spots um, indicated on the map? They're all indicated on the map. Okay. However, what they will consider the threatened area is not firmly indicated. So you'll never know unless oh. uh, until you've aggroed them. Then there are the spiders, which are more interesting in that there are like little egg sacs across the map mm-hmm. and they don't do anything unless you shoot them and then they will spawn a spider uh and the spiders okay. will aggro people within their specific area and they won't follow you afterwards so like for the most part they're not also, really stop after a certain point yeah, yeah. but okay. they're more of an annoyance in that hey if i'm holding position to have to have these eggs here it's mm-hmm. so easy for another team to just shoot the eggs drop them on my head and i have to draw my attention to these things uh, they balance out the new enemy types in the maps by they give you Evo points. So now when you okay. shoot them, you can level up your armor and they will drop like low tier loot. So like there's an actual reason that you want to find them in the map and farm them. Uh, yeah. My last critique about Stormfront is they really need to fix it to their end zones. Like I've seen way too many final ring circles that are just in like the middle of water or on like a giant <sighs> hill. Wow. In which one team was just going to get the win because there's literally oh, because the other. Oh, already up there. They're all, already up there. This map yeah. also really oh, promotes. Wow. We were we were very comfortable in a uh, 
automatic shotgun meta in regards to fights. But the mm -hmm. size of this map, because it's bigger than World's Edge, which was their biggest map, the size of this map and oh, wow. the way it's designed really promotes long-range weapons. So, like, yeah. if, if you're, like, an R99 one-trick like I was for a long time and you're not using a 301 or the, or the Rampage, you're fucking throwing. Because, like, if someone's going to hit you from, like, fucking halfway across the map with a triple take and there's nothing you can do because you're fucking shooting an R9. Oh, because you just don't have the range on your gun. You don't have the range. And, like, the lot, a lot, gotcha. lot of the map's designs promote long-distance poking fights. Uh, yeah. And okay, we also. Oh, got... I, wait, wait. When you say when you say throwing, you mean like throwing grenades? No, I mean like it's not even an esports term, I guess. But throwing yeah. in that you're throwing your game. Oh, okay. So you're throwing in the match. Okay, I get yeah. that. I get that. Uh, we also okay. got a new weapon this season called the Car SMG. The Car is from Titanfall. It's another one of the Titanfall weapons who come from Titanfall to Apex. And like a lot of the weapons in the Apex now, which uh, I need to write a dissertation on, it has a gimmick. <laughs> This gimmick okay, is yeah, that yeah. it can use two types of ammo. You can switch them back and forth. Okay. So like you, what it, are the so types? Heavy and light. So okay. it, in its light form, it's sort of like a beefier R9. But in its okay. heavy form, it's like a more easily used flatline, which is their heavy okay. assault rifle. It's, like, it's one of those yeah. things where I'm like, we need to talk about these gimmicks. Not every gun needs a gimmick. Just try and make a gun different. <laughs> I think the reason it has a gimmick is because if they just put the normal gun out there and be like, oh, this is just another R9. But so they have yeah. to do this stupid gimmick. It's fine. I'd still prefer to use the R9 or the or any other heavy weapon over it. Okay. It's one of those okay. it's one of those weapons where you have to change the way you play the game to use it. Yeah, that seems like it. So I guess my question is that being a submachine gun slash LMG, does the LMG range does it suit the, the size of the map? No. Because it seems uh, not really. Okay. It, 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 it's classified as an SMG, so you're going to use SMG yeah. attachments for it. Oh. Well, uh, when I say flatline, the, the, yeah, yeah. Well, trust me, you don't want to go back to Apex Season Zero, where you can put any scope on any gun, and you can get a fucking wingman that had a 4 to 10 scope. <laughs> and then the final big uh, content drop for this season is Ash, the new legend. Ash is also mm -hmm. another returnee from Titanfall. She was, used to be part of the Apex Predators, who were all killed by the main character of Titanfall 2, but Ash is a robot, so she survived. Mm -hmm. She is broken, but not in a way that some of the other characters were broken. Okay. Like, okay. there are two types of broken when you get eight, uh, Legend releases. There's the Valkyrie, yeah. where this character does one thing really well, and that breaks the game. Or you get mm -hmm. the Seer, where this character does ten things really well, and there's, if you're not running this character, you're throwing uh, right. Her... <laughs> her Main ability is this thing called an arc snare where she throws a like shuriken, it latches onto the ground, and the first enemy that gets into its radius gets like tethered so they can't run. It's one of those oh, things where like that seems pretty powerful. It is, but it's it's very situational. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like it it literally requires an enemy to walk into it. So like you can use yeah. it to zone off enemies and it's actually kind of effective against an octane or any of the movement-based legends. But for the mm -hmm. most part, it's very situational and it doesn't get much use. Her ult, however... Is it, is, it really, um, is it really bright on screen? Like, can you easily see it that it's on the ground so you would so you'd really have off, to kind of stumble onto it? It gives off, like, an energy field so you okay. know where it is and where it's on the ground. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, and then her ult is essentially a combination of Wraith and Octane in that she, can, she has a sword that she can cut open reality with and then do a line-of-sight teleport up to around... I think it's around 70 to 90 meters. I can't really remember what. And essentially, it's a one-way portal. Anyone can take it. And it can go any height difference. 
So, like, oh. the big difference, yeah. So, in this new map, where, like, there's a lot of hilled areas and a lot of height and things like that, this is the, one of the best movement abilities in the Interesting. game. So, my question. Can you see, like, is there an indicator on screen that tells you, okay, well, if you, like, how to explain that? Is there an indicator on screen when you're doing the super move that tells you, oh, okay, like, it's green, so, like, you'll teleport to, like, a place on land versus teleporting somewhere in the sky? You have to teleport on a piece of, there has to be solid floor where you can teleport through. Gotcha, okay, okay. Though what makes her ability slightly broken is that it's kind of silent, well, like a lot of things in Apex, and it can uh, go through windows. Oh. So like, <laughs> oh. and there are lots of areas in this map where there are just random windows for no real reason. And right. so like, <laughs> you could be, you and your team could be holding a building, it could be ring five, there are four other teams around you, you've got this place on locked with Watson, Kothic, whatever, and a full ass team just enters your building, they don't oh, trigger any traps, they're just in there, and you, unless you solve them coming, you're just dead. Yeah. Yikes. Okay. Like, once again, it's a really strong ability. It kind of makes Octane useless, which I'm happy about because Octane was dumb. But mm. I would personally make it a lot faster, like decrease its cooldown by like maybe 30, 30 seconds, and make it that only she can use it. So it's a Wait, very more. Oh, okay. So, but so what's the cooldown for right now? I think it's got to be a minute 30. Okay. Okay. Like, I think I would, I, would, yeah, I would decrease it uh, by like 30 seconds and make it a, she's the only one who can use it. And like yeah. make her a stronger flanking character, okay. With, okay. Because with this ability that she has, she's instantly meta. Yeah, right, right. That makes yeah, sense like, because you can people, take your team yeah. anywhere essentially. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then her third ability, which is the most broken, and they literally had to change parts of the game's code to reconcile how broken it is, is that when you die on the map, you leave a marker where your death box is. So when so anyone when, can see that. When Ash open, only Ash, when she opens her map, she will see where every death box on the map is currently. Whoa. So not only will it give you an indication where people are, where fighting is going on, the most broken part of it is if she touches that box, it will tell you where the person who killed that person is. It will indicate it on your map. These people are there. That's too much. That's oh, way yeah. too much. Yeah, 100%. Like it's, <laughs> it provides way too much information. In a game like yeah. this, so when when that happens, like, is that a thing that stays on your map permanently, or is it just like a, a ghost? It flashes of... to like it flashes like three to four seconds, and the person okay. who's being scanned will get like an indicator. Hey, you've been scanned by Ash. Oh, okay, okay. But it's one of those things where that's way too much information, and to the point yeah. where uh, they had to re uh, readjust custom lobbies so that it's anonymous now. Because in a high tier pro lobby with this ability unchecked, what happened was, let's say TSM kills. NRG, you don't know where TSM is on the map. A new box has just appeared on the map, and they just died. So you know where NRG yeah. was. So you just okay. go up to that box, hit it. Now you know where TSM is. And hey, you now have this ability to just instant push them uh, silently. So the, okay. the capacity for grief was super easy. So they had them put customs in the anonymous mode. I see, I see. Yeah. But yeah, wow. so far, this new season is pretty good. Uh, I'm enjoying it. It's refreshing. It's battle pass mm -hmm. kind of sucks, but I think any battle mm -hmm. pass that doesn't have uh, any Wraith or Watson uh, cosmetics sucks because like those are the two characters I play. It's got some nice Gibby drip in it, <laughs> and I'm always ready to put some uh, drip on my Gibraltar. But it's like in terms of battle pass, I'm, I'm, it's kind of mid. I'm, I don't think I'm gonna put money yeah. into it. But yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying the season. I'm very interested to see if Stormfront becomes a competitive map. I've been a fan of mm. World's Edge, but we've been playing World's Edge for over a year now straight as our primary yeah. competitive map and i'm just wondering if 
Dormant Point uh, joins in the rotation. Okay, cool. All right, that works. And uh, because it's just two of us, uh, what I have been playing is actually, uh, this is actually a first. Uh, I'm not going to talk about it because we're going to do a review on it. But last episode, Sean and Avery was talking about Guardians of the Galaxy, the Marvel game. And I was like, oh, this is cool. Maybe I'll uh, buy this game and play it. I bought the game. I'm playing it. I'm almost done with it. And we're going to do a review uh, pretty much the, the next day after this recording. So you'll see that. Actually, you'll see that before you see this. So magic. But uh, other than that, because I kind of mainline Guardians, I didn't really get to play too much of Gundam Battle Operation 2 Code Fairy. But what I did get to play, uh, I was very surprised. Um, as I was telling Avery off air. So it's releasing in three parts. Each part is, I believe, three chapters long or so. So the first one is three chapters, and I've completed the first chapter. It was pretty short, but in terms of production value, I was very shocked by what I saw. It was very much so like watching an anime where you have like gameplay stitched throughout the anime. So they have their own anime opening. It is the like hype, uh, like colors, flashes, diagonals, like character moment, character moment, Gundam, character, like, yeah. So it's just, it's a lot of energy that I didn't really think that I would see, especially because of the the overall style of Gundam Battle Operation 2 um, primary, the, the, the actual, like, multiplayer battle game, doesn't have that same energy. It is very much so, like, Boots on the ground, military-looking kind of game with just mobile suits. So to have this is, is very, like, nice. And then the actual anime cutscenes are hand-drawn, for one. And that was, like, kind of surprising because oftentimes we do get a lot of, like, 3D kind of uh, character work. And then they kind of put, like, 2D stuff on top of that. But this is just completely 2D. And, like, you can really tell by, like, I don't know. You can tell by just watching it that it is definitely hand-drawn. So yeah, um, that's really cool. This whole game, or this whole story, takes place in the same time period, I think I said before, as um, when Armoro climbed into the Gundam. So uh, this is pretty... Actually, no. This takes place before that, because this happens pretty much concurrently as Zeon drops the colony on Earth. And then that kicks off the war. And then this is kind of happening like on another front on, on the North American front. Um, but yeah, like overall, the game is, you know, it's battle operations, but with actual story, like there's characters you play as Alma. Uh, she just gets brought into this whole mission. You have two other characters. You have uh, Mia, who is the engineer. Then you have Helena, who is a sniper. And it's really cool. Uh, it's all Japanese. So it's just, it's dubbed. No. It's up. It's not dubbed. It's up. Um, it's up. like God intended. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I think the real value of this is that this is a good introduction to how to play Battle Operations 2. Because the main thing that I always like brushed up against, and even like Sean tried to play it, and it's just like, I understand why he bounced off so quickly because the game has a very, very, very steep learning curve because it doesn't move at the pace that a lot of other multiplayer games move at. And it's also very animation based. So like Dark Souls, where if you go to like, if you go to a melee attack, 
and you see that it's not going to hit the person. You can't cancel out the attack, so you're pretty much uh, you're pretty much stuck doing it, and then you will get punished. And like this game is all about punishing people for making their mistakes. So yeah, like the actual single player teaches you how to play the game, teaches you how to um, counterattacks, teaches you how to dodge roll, teaches you like if you crouch, you do more damage. If you go prone, you do even more damage. All this stuff. I, I haven't spent too much time in the story yet. I'm still kind of working my way through. Like I don't know. I mean, other than the the trailers, I I don't know exactly what the what the main adversary is going to be, other than the Earth Federation Force. And again, it's one of those things where it's kind of weird playing as a Zeon Force, and you're just like, and these guys are these guys are kind of like as as Avery said, they're Nazis, they're space Nazis. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. But it, it 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 sort of feels like they're kind of pushing the message to. We're not all like that. <laughs> yes, not like, all Nazis. Right? <laughs> I'm just like, mm, still kind of weird, though. But, um, yeah, overall, I'm having a good time. I am enjoying the, um, I'm enjoying the money that I spent on this game. <laughs> because they definitely put that money into this, and you could tell. I think the last episode comes out December 3rd or something like that. So it's going to be a while before I've, like, completed the actual story. Um, I'm not necessarily super happy over the launch schedule of this content because it is very much so staggered. And once I finish this, I think the next, actually, I think the next set of chapters come out, I think next week. So maybe it won't be that bad, actually, now thinking about it. But yeah, overall, I'm enjoying the game, having a good time. Um, this is one of those things where would I recommend it for a person who is not interested in Gundam? No. I would recommend this game, and this is also a standalone game, so you can play this game and not have to uh, even touch or think about uh, Gundam Battle Operations. So um, if you are interested in Gundam and you want to play a pretty, for right now, interesting single-player story content with learning anything about how Gundam Battle Operations 2 plays, this is that game to try out. Uh, and then I think the way that it works is because it's broken up into sections, you can actually buy the first set of chapters for a reduced price. So you're not paying like 60 or 70 for it for the whole bundle. But yeah, I'm having a good time with this and I will, uh, let you guys know what I think of it when it finishes. And I hope it's, uh, I hope it ends with the same energy as it starts. <laughs> DJ, I want you to, I want you to savor this moment you've had right now. But you know damn well when everyone else is on this podcast, I'm not going to let you talk for 10 minutes about this Gundam spinoff game. I know. That's why I made sure Sean couldn't come and, and Jordan couldn't come. I planned this whole thing from the, from the start. All right. With that being said, let's do, let's do something from our uh, sponsors. It's us. Hey there. Enjoying the episode? Want to hear more? Then we're going to need your help. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our show. And if you have subscribed, great. Spread the word. Tell everybody. To follow us on social media, check us out on Facebook and Instagram at PressX number two start, Twitter at PressX number two S, and YouTube now at PressX to start TV. And if you've done all of this already, well done. And we are back. Now it is time for the quick hits. Number one. This comes from Rebecca Valentine from 
IGN. Marvel's Midnight Sun delayed to second half of 2022. So they never, they didn't give a solid release date when they first showed the game off, right? No, I believe they said March. And this is one of those interesting pieces of news where I think like they're framing it as, oh, we want to put more polish on the game. But I think the prevailing understanding is that Take Two was releasing like three to four big games all the exact same time. And we're, so it's like, I think this is less of we need more time with the game or more than we can't cannibalize our own fucking market share like this. Something's got to move. This is the game that will benefit the most from a move. (laughs) We're going to be talking about two delays right now. This one doesn't Mm -hmm. piss me off. Uh, I'm I'm more than happy to wait for this game. As someone who likes Avengers and really likes Guardians of the Galaxy and like Ultimate Alliance and like Spider-Man and all the Marvel stuff right now, Allowing you to take more time to cook this stuff, I got no problem with. Right. Uh, yep, you kind of um, hinted at it. Number two, this comes from Ethan Gotch. Yeah, Gotch? I believe Gotch. From Kotaku. Overwatch 2 and Diablo 4 delayed to 2023. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, we are never getting Overwatch 2. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I, the, I, I play Overwatch <laughs> with Marcus, Annie, uh... And their group when they invite me because they rarely do that anymore. Uh, oh, no. it, <laughs> well, it's whatever. Mark doesn't want to play his play it takes two. That's their role play in time, Avery. <laughs> it's, it's whatever. It's whatever. But no, in all seriousness, imagine you've built your life playing Overwatch. The game hasn't updated in going on two years because they've been working with, on Overwatch 2. They show up Overwatch 2. I'm working. Like, Oh, you know what? Okay, I'm fine with this. This game is coming out next year. I'll be fine with it. The game's coming out in 2023, which means Overwatch, the main game, isn't getting any more updates till 2023. We're going to get the same rehashes of old events, and we'll get cool new skins, but, like, no new legend, no no new heroes, no new maps, no new gameplay types. Blizzard's like, let's see your dedication to the game. Yeah. Like, what's even worse? That is so wild. There is an Overwatch esports. Overwatch League is a thing. And, like, yep. from what I've heard from reports, because I watch, uh, I watch a lot of esports, reports are mm-hmm. that they're going to start playing Overwatch 2 next year. But they're going to be playing a development build of that game and not the actual release game. Because, they can't, because the esport cannot wait for them another year to do this. But, I mean, I get that. But it's also... I, I can't wait until we're able to get the like full story on this because obviously there is I mean it's one of those things where like a lot of people are kind of speculating oh maybe the whole shakeup at Activision and Blizzard is resulting in this delay but like that doesn't that doesn't make sense uh, and the fact um, that people are getting dev builds to play for esports it's like okay well the game is there we definitely saw the game so it's they like played at Overwatch League events, Overwatch 2. And that's not even talking about the fact that, hey, if you're a tank whose job was to play off tank in Overwatch, you've lost your job because the game went from 6v6 to 5v5. Right. <laughs> Jeez, okay. And then um, on the other side, you have Diablo 4, which is also being delayed, which is not that... I mean, it sucks for the people who are really, you know, down for Diablo, but I think it's not as um, heartbreaking because like, we've... Yeah. 
seen Overwatch 2, and we've talked about Overwatch 2 for so long. And you also got the Diablo 2 remake this year as well. So, like, yep. they can afford to wait. But it's one yep. of those things where what's even more galling about this uh, delay is that those games didn't even have release dates. We learned this about it in an <laughs> yeah. Activision call where they're like, hey, guys, we're delaying these games to 2023. And I'm sitting there going like, y'all gave it a release date for 2022? Right. <laughs> Nah. <laughs> it's so, oh my God. so frustrating. I just want to play Overwatch 2. I just want to play that sweet PvE content and never mm -hmm. have to worry about talking to another human being. Because trust me, <laughs> the game is going to 5v5. I'm not getting a call from Marcus. <laughs> I don't play tank. My only tank was D.Va, who's an off tank, and I can't really play her that well. I'm not getting a call. Well, don't worry. At least you'll be able to finish up It Takes Two with Marcus. Because he'll have time. <laughs> I believe it when I see it. The man's an actor. He's got responsibilities. <laughs> yeah, <you're right. laughs> All right. Uh, number three. This comes from Kiris Lafon. Lef mm. I also the look your face you're making the look I have when I was writing that name in the script. Yeah. That is indeed the correct name. Oh, okay. I nailed it. <laughs> All right. This comes from CNBC. Activision stock has worst day in thirteen years. Traders on what's next. So uh, this was actually, um, you know, a lot of people were speculating from um, uh, Bobby Kotek. No, how do you, I know there's a different way of pronouncing it. I believe it's Bobby Kotek. I, I believe it's Bobby Kotek. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, but when he um, took his giant salary cut, people were just like, oh, that's, that's nice. And other people were like, mm, this actually might be a sign of something else that's coming in terms of their investor call. And we got to see exactly what the, what people were speculating on. So um, the stock fell more than 14%, and it's considered their worst day since 2008. I mean, that's probably have to do a lot with the Overwatch and Diablo. Um, like, yeah, delays. they just they literally just had their investor call where they pretty much had to brief everyone who who's bought money and shares. Hey, this is what's going on for company right now. Yeah. Uh, also, like. Activision is in a weird place. They can't really publish, like, because of the Blizzard shit that's going on, they can't really publicly talk about most of the shit that's going on. Like, uh, we were joking in our chat that Call of Duty released this week and none of us really knew. This mm -hmm. would be the most quiet Call of Duty release. And then yeah. all reports are that it's getting good to average reviews. So it's like not yep. even the most stellar thing. You add that to the news that, hey, our two big pillars. Our WoW is in its weird place that it is right now. Our other two big pillars from Blizzard, our big moneymakers, aren't going to be seen anytime soon. We've, yeah. We're not doing anything with StarCraft. Like, there's no moving pieces right now in Activision. So right. it dropped me like this is not unsuspecting. Right. And then on the other side of it, the public sentiment to Activision Blizzard is not positive because studios still grappling with sexual harassment and discrimination allegations that led to firing over their uh, recent quarter and development uh, disruptions. So... There's that. Um, the, the trilogy of this uh, little section comes from Ari Notice from Kotaku. Blizzard is already losing its first female studio co-head. So Jen O'Neill, who assumed joint duties of the top position at Blizzard in August, will step down from the company at the end of the year. She wrote in a statement. In the meantime, she'll transition to a new unspecified role in Activision Blizzard, her co-lead, Mike Yabara, will take over the rest of her responsibilities effective immediately. 
So this sucks because it was very much so when the announcement was made, it was like, oh, like Activision Blizzard is getting a, a woman like CEO. It was kind of weird that she was a co-head because just like, mm, why can't it just be her alone? But... I, I, it's one of those things where like I don't know the hierarchy of Activision Blizzard. In my head, when I heard that, it could have been like, yeah. like she was hired from outside the company, and we don't want someone who, as great of a message as it is that we have a female CEO, it'd be much better for our company for some our next CEO to be been involved in our product. I right, right, right. So that may have been the reason. I don't exactly know why. That being said, this is not a great look because it's one of those things where like. There's no clean verbal information why she left. Mm-hmm. It's just people speculating about why she left. And that mm-hmm. just makes a already bad situation even worse for Activision Blizzard. Yep. Yep. And it's when I look at this, of course, it is definitely not the same thing. But I kind of get hints of when um, Sean Layden, when he left PlayStation. And it was like he didn't say anything. And it, it wasn't even... The typical way that people exit playstation at that like higher level it just felt weird and again this this definitely feels weird and we're left to speculate and especially because activision is dealing with the whole sexual harassment and discrimination stuff that is just like i i really hope she just didn't leave because she felt like she couldn't do anything in terms of being a voice or being a pillar to really like push that kind of change forward or something yeah 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 that is that is the most cynical uh read on the situation yeah. i don't i just want i don't have a read on because all i know about activism blizzard is that like we had the previous guy he left after mm-hmm. everyone revealed that how big of a piece of shit he was over the last years but at the top of the food chain is bobby Kodak, who controls yeah. everything so like here's the thing um, until she comes out and says that hey this is why i left anything is possible that's true. That's true. Yeah. I mean, and then again, like, like they're saying that she is transitioning to a unspecified role at Activision Blizzard. So it's not like she's leaving the company completely. She's still going to be a part of the company, but she's just going to be in a different role. So, I mean, maybe that that could be once we figure out what that role is, it is going to be like, oh, OK, that makes sense. So like she's actually doing something that is, yeah. I don't know, more empowering to women employees who work there and so on and so forth. But yeah, we, we just don't know. Yeah, we don't know. Um, number five. This comes from uh Natalie Can mm, Clayton. I almost said Cannon from PC Gamer. Sega and Microsoft partner up to develop cloud power super games. Super games. <coughs> this is this is the headline we got at the beginning of the week that was very clearly. I kind of read it as clickbaity in that yeah. way a lot of sites were positioning <laughs> it sounded like oh man microsoft and sega are working together to make microsoft exclusive sega games using their cloud architecture and then when you drill into the actual article itself it's literally nearly word for word the same kind of deal that microsoft forged with sony oh like a year and a half ago proper about mm-hmm. using uh microsoft architecture in for their cloud gaming services the like the azura platform or whatever yeah yeah and the super games moniker is not them saying that we're making quadruple a games for fucking microsoft it's with the cloud we sega will be able to make quadruple level games for playstation (laughs) i mean they already are like the fucking most of the persona games are fucking only on playstation (laughs) like it's one of those things when like when jordan uh jordan was the first one to let us know about this and when i read it i was like oh this is huge 
Because mm-hmm. it, it, like, oh, that might mean like the Persona games, which have been PlayStation exclusives for God knows how long, for I don't know what reason, because the, the rules of that engage, uh, arrangement have never been really clarified. Other Persona mm-hmm. games can go on Nintendo consoles. Persona games don't go on Xbox consoles. I'm not exactly sure if the next Shin Megami Tensei... No, the next Shin Megami Tensei is only for Switch. So I don't even think it's going to show yeah, up. Yeah. The only value in Sega right now is Atlas. Sonic yeah, is yeah. Sonic. Uh, like, they have Sonic. What about um, Yakuza? Yakuza. That's true. I mean, I, the, the, Alice, the, is, Alice is definitely like, yeah. uh, but like bigger yeah. than Yakuza. But so. Alice is making nines and tens. Everything else in Sega is lucky to get a seven at best. Uh, the, I would say the Yakuza games as well, but like the creative team of that. What about Sonic? Fucking, <laughs> I, I'm not going to get into this argument. Sonic games are not good. <laughs> They've never been good. Everyone's been smoking crack. <laughs> it's a bad series. They like, can't even figure out what it wants to do with itself. That being said, Atlas is the big fucking bread and butter of that company. And that was my thing. Is, oh, if Microsoft gets hands on Atlas, that's a GG. Because that's the only other people making JRPGs that rivals Final Fantasy. And then I'm like, yeah. no, it's like, read the lines of this <laughs> article. It's, hey, we're working with them on their cloud architecture. We're not doing anything special. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. It is, it is very much so one of those things of like, all right, cool. We'll see what comes of this. You know, we, we won't really see what comes anything. of this. Because we're like on year two of the Sony deal, and Sony's still fucking using their own architecture. That's actually a good point, too. <laughs> All right, number six. This comes from Devolver Digital's main page. Uh, Devolver Digital goes public with investments by Sony and Tencent. So, essentially, they released a letter on their um, main website saying that, uh, you know, the typical, like, ah, oh, we, we thank you people for supporting us. And they also, you know, let people know that they're being invested in to buy Sony and Tencent. Um, well, not just by Tony and Tencent, but Tony and Tencent are the most notable right, yeah, yeah. Uh, people who've bought stakes in their company. Yeah. So, I mean, that's cool. Like, as when you go public, you have to do certain things like that. So that kind of makes sense as to why they have to put this out there. But yeah, it, it is like uh, Avery and I were talking about this off air. And it's like, um, I think you were saying how you could possibly see like uh, them producing games as like a playstation first kind of um plan like this is just me reading the tea leaves on based on how sony operates in regards to second parties that become first parties in that Mm -hmm. they work with people to make content and the content does well for sony and they bring those people into the fold sony has a perceived problem with indies and an actual problem with indies that we talked about in the past this is essentially them getting an indie publisher if like mm-hmm. if if them buying a stake gives them any power in, in devolver decisions, this gives them a stake in a slew of high profile and highly rated indie games that will then come to PlayStation as the main console of choice. Odds are they're still going to come to Microsoft because the, they only went public because they needed more money for growth. Right, like they could have stayed at the same level of profitability and uh, uh, portfolio and all that. They could have stayed at that same level and done well. But this is them saying, we want to be bigger. We want to do better things. We want to possibly do AAA games as well, beyond just really high quality indie games. So them going public is allowing them to get the investment to do that. Right, right. And on that, now they have investors and now they're dealing with, okay, so all deals now have to be a profitability thing that works for our investors. So like, there's a lot of shit that goes on there. And I'm not, uh, well versed enough in like fucking uh 
stocks and all that to understand what the actual relationships of these companies are. Because this is uh, very similar to Sony taking a stake in uh, Epic a while ago. Right. We're, we're not sure what that means. But like in my simple brain, it's more like, oh, we might see more Devolver games with a more PlayStation focus. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense, though. Like, that does. Uh, okay, number seven. This comes from Aaron Garst. Uh, this comes from Upcomer. Valorant and League of Legends arrive in the Epic Game Store. So I'm kind of surprised at this because I didn't, I thought they would have already been there by now. But, um, you know, this is cool to see that it's getting introduced to more stores. Yeah, so Riot has their own launcher. And Riot, as a publisher now of multiple games now with Valorant, runs everything through their Riot client. What this essentially does is now you, both of these games are free to play. So it's like you're not really buying anything from the store. It's just like, hey, you do this, you'll download the Riot client. The shit will still launch through the Riot client. But it's now, if you're in the Epic Store, you will see this. And considering that Riot right now mm-hmm. is in the middle of an event where they're like fucking going to literally every game publisher and platform holder and like, hey, we want to put League of Legends shit in your game. This seems to be more of a synergy to influence that like because you can currently buy a jinx skin in fortnite so odds are there's going to be now a a tag to that jinx skin about hey do you want to play league of legends hit this button and boom league of legends makes sense makes sense all right uh number eight this comes from michael mick warthor no mick warthor 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 yeah walter all right (laughs) from polygon spider-man release date for marvel's avengers announced uh well the actual date is november 30th so um you have your time to uh download marvel's avengers if you haven't and if you have the next gen consoles you can well if you have the playstation 5 you can download the ps4 version and then you can do the whole save transfer thing and then you can be able to play uh play spider-man um you're you're definitely getting this avery right 100 percent like it's yeah, still sure. Marvel's the PS4 version of Marvel's Avengers is still in my hard drive. I don't even want to go into why I'm not using the PS5 version because that's like a little <laughs> Avery Williams ADHD bullshit that I don't want to really talk about right now. But I'm super excited for this. Uh, like Marvel's Avengers, is the game that if it got shut down right now, I wouldn't be upset. But the game that every mm-hmm. time I release new actual content, I'm like, I definitely want to see this game have a year two and a year three yeah. and grow from yeah. there. Spider-Man's going to be, hopefully, if, if it's in line with all the other characters, he's going to be a fresh, new, interesting character to play with, exclusively on PlayStation, which I think the funniest bit about this news is Avengers, Marvel's Avengers went online on Game Pass. You can, hey, you can play this game, all this DLC, for free, on Game Pass. Also, next week, Spider-Man's coming out. You can't play him on Game Pass. <laughs> So I think that's like we, we were talking oh about this. God. Why why this wouldn't be a big deal? Why you wouldn't like make this the biggest of deals? And I think if you're Marvel's Avengers and you've just made a commitment to Game Pass, how do you communicate this thing and also say on the undercurrent, also not coming to the Xbox, the platform that we were currently talking about five minutes ago? This right. I think the Spider-Man news would surely be a Sony PlayStation thing that they'd have to talk about and uh, hype up. Which is one yeah. of those things that maybe should have hyped it up last week and you say to play. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. And I, I totally agree. Like, this is very weird for the current circumstances of that game and how, you know, it's essentially a lot of people are probably playing the game. Like, if, if it's free, it's available on a Game Pass, and you get Game Pass on pretty much anywhere. Yeah, let me go ahead and just try this game out and see what it's like. And then to have the news of, oh, Spider-Man. I love Spider-Man. 
PlayStation. I I can't play it on why why can't I play it on? <laughs> but yeah. Uh we'll see cuz right now they it's kind of been like a stealth drop in terms of when it's coming out, but it's enough time between now and then for them to put some kind of presentation oh, together. Yeah, probably a war table. Yeah. So, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh number 9. This comes from Michael William. It's my last name with a G at the beginning of it. It's not that hard. <laughs> hey, look, English is difficult sometimes. <laughs> and this is from Dexerto. Is that how it's pronounced? Yeah, Dexerto. Okay. Uh, Smash Rival Nintendo All Star Brawl drops to single digit Twitch viewers. Oh, this was painful. Um, not really painful for me though. Even though I bought into this game, I quickly realized that this game was not going to be the uh, the golden goose. So yeah, as the title suggests, uh, a lot of people are just not watching this game anymore. Uh, I actually took some time out to watch a uh, tournament match between two players. One was playing as Aang and the other one was playing as, uh, I think, Spongebob. I think it was Spongebob, actually, yeah. And watching the match, it kind of illustrated two things. One, the game isn't necessarily as fun to watch as Smash Brothers is. And I think that's because it's new and it it looks like Smash, but it doesn't play like Smash. It also doesn't look good. Like, in terms of raw animation, like, there's a fluidity to Smash where, like, even when you're spamming stuff, the characters animate in a way where this makes sense, where this is one of the first things I looked at that said this is not going to be a good game, is that your characters just look like they're fucking in the middle of frames of animation as you're spamming different moves. And I'm like, this is... (laughs) This is not... (laughs) Yeah, you're definitely not wrong there. <laughs> but like the other thing that I noticed watching the tournament play was that uh the player playing as Aang was comboing the SpongeBob uh player and it was comboing a way where yes, it was probably difficult to do and it was probably elegant in that way, but it also looked kind of cheap in terms of this is unfair, like, in how the person's being comboed. Because, like, the combo started kind of... They were playing on, like, a Final Destination kind of level. And the combo started essentially close to the middle of the stage. And Aang was literally able to combo SpongeBob all the way to the edge of the stage. Um, knock SpongeBob down below the stage. And then follow up with another down smash, essentially. And it was almost a guaranteed kill every time the combo started. And it was just like, that feels like there should be some kind of like, some kind of like uh, counter or break to that if the combo goes on for that long. Because even with Smash Brothers, like you can start comboing someone, but eventually the way that the system works, um, you know, when a character's percentage increases to a certain point, they like go, they travel further. So it's harder to like um, predict where they're going to be. So to continue your combo. So yeah, it was just, it was weird. It didn't, it didn't necessarily feel good. And then there was another match I saw with uh, Toph and another person. And the Toph player, literally at the start of the match, the Toph player double jumped to the top of the screen and did one of Toph's uh, special moves that allows her to put a rock literally anywhere on screen and she can stand on it. And the player literally did that. And mind you, this is a tournament play. The player did that, and he had like some kind of timer on his phone. He put the timer up to the camera, and the announcer was just like, "Is he? Is he? Is he trying to say that it's only going to take him this amount of time to like beat this other player?" And then they were like, "I don't understand what this guy is doing." And then finally, the guy like came down from the top of the screen and started 
playing normal and then the announcer was like oh i guess he was just trying to grief people it was just so confusing to watch and it's just like what what is going on what is this what is this so i can i can totally understand why people are bouncing off of this game because it just i think it came in with an energy that it just couldn't really keep up with no it came in with nostalgia yeah, like, yeah, exactly. it, it, like yeah. it's like nostalgia is it's the biggest double-edged sword in regards to video game marketability. It's going to give you a burst beginning, but if you don't have anything substantial, it's going to betray you. Like people saw this game or interested in this game because oh, look at our favorite Nickelodeon characters played it, and then like oh, okay, it's fine. I'll just go yeah. back to play the superior mascot <laughs> pla- pla- platform fighters, Smash Brothers. I don't understand why you. I, I don't understand like. It's like that office meme, except they want you to identify these two images, and they're like the same image. No, one of them is clearly Super Smash Brothers, and this is someone doodling Super Smash Brothers. It's like the the issue that all these mascot fighter uh, ripoffs have is that they're banking on nostalgia over making a solid game, and their nostalgia is so shallow that it's not going to be of any substance. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be I, I, yeah, it's going to be so funny. So uh, if, if Nintendo doesn't release another Smash Brothers game, it's going to be funny in 10 years when five other stu- uh, platform holders are going to say like, oh, we want to roll Smash Brothers, and all of them will lose because none of them will be as good as Smash Brothers. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But yeah, um, last up, this comes from Ian Walker from Kotaku. Black for, back for Blood. Wow. Yes, you called him Ian. Oh. Yeah, I or Ian, Ian. So, okay, the reason why I, I trip up on that name is from Dead or Alive. I know. Uh, yeah, that character, like, I went through, like, a week of someone, like, correcting me and saying, like, it's not, it's not I and it's Ian or something. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Let's, I don't have any friends. Let's not talk about Dead or Alive in terms of name pronunciations. The character <laughs> is a Japanese man who has amnesia, finds himself in Germany, and they call him Ein for some stupid reason. You're not wrong. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, back to this. Back for Blood already has fewer players than Left for Dead Two. Ouch. Why? Why is this? Why is this the case? Is is Left for Dead Two just better than Back for Blood? No. Well, I've I'm not like Jordan. I don't have friends, and yeah, my internet's no. shitty. So like, I haven't been playing a lot of Back for Blood. But okay. from what I can tell, uh, Left for Dead is just a more entrenched game with a lot more content. And it's okay. much more simpler and easier to get into. There's not an economy. There's none of like attachments or all that like complicated mm. nonsense you have to get on. It's literally you and four people pop in, you run a mission, and it's been so long. And the game is a Steam game that like mm-hmm. it's been broken open and popped up so many different ways. We're like, I I want to play a SpongeBob. Uh, uh okay. I replace your character with SpongeBob. Oh, I want to make all the brutes Shrek. Oh, we can do that. There's so much modability uh, to I that see. game yeah. because it's okay. fundamentally if people are talking about left or dead they're not talking about the console version they're talking about the pc version and it's a game it's been so modable that there's so much interesting well back for blood is still very young in its infancy and while i think that's a very very good game i do think there's going to be a barrier for entry in regards to its systems and everything like that to get over and then there's yeah. also the content thing i think the game has a lot of content a lot of content compared to left for dead where Left 4 Dead, mm-hmm. like, both Left 4 Dead campaigns have, like, four campaigns directed into four levels. Well, this is a game where, like, there's, like, three chapters, like, three acts, but each act has, like, ten individual levels of missions with bosses and all wow. unique environments. Like, the game is 
really robust and interesting to play through. It's just like back to our Super Smash Bros. argument like uh, earlier, which is a little different, but like you get the sentiment that like this one, uh, I I just have allegiance to this game. I'm just gonna keep playing that one, especially now yeah. it's like super cheap and thing like that. Right, right, right. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. It sucks though. Yeah. Um, and then there's yeah. there's there's the argument that. And this is, I don't really subscribe to it because I need more data. It's also a game that you can play on Game Pass. And there is, there is an oh. argument that, like with Outriders, there might be an argument of it's being on Game Pass affecting its sales otherwise. Right, yeah. But we'd have to see everything in a post. Right, 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 right. All right, well, that is it for the quick hits. And now it is time for our heavy hitter, which is... Uh, essentially, it's us just talking about the Elden Ring's um, 15 minutes of gameplay. That's what it is. That's what it is. That's what we're going to oh, do. Oh, tarnished one, you must mm. find the Elden Ring and bring, a, okay. bring salvation to our soul. Are you the voice actor for that person? <laughs> <laughs> There's only four voice actors in them, all from games. <laughs> it's just big British accents. <laughs> They're like, oh, that sounds about right. Go ahead. <laughs> Oh yeah, okay. So um uh we're 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 just pulling from IGN, but really and truly this is just a YouTube video that we all watched. Um yeah, so uh I'm gonna go ahead and and start this because I was pretty much the one that out of the two of us, uh I'm I was the one that was initially down on Elven Ring in terms of like well, this is looks kinda muddy, this doesn't look very colorful, and I'm just like I'm not really sold on this, but I will try it because this will be the Souls game that I'm going to actually stick around and play because I have played about a solid 25, 30 minutes of Bloodborne and I um, bounced like a basketball. Um, so yeah, watching this, uh, I it pretty much did a good job of answering all of my little uh, nitpicks and complaints about what I've seen from Elden Ring thus far. And they show colors. There's yellow in the game. There's orange in the game. There's even green in the game. It's just like they almost got the whole rainbow. I'm just waiting for blue and purple. And I'm just I can saying that, blue. like, it has the exact same color filter that every other Soul game has. So, like, I don't even know what's going on here. <laughs> if you want colorful, if you really want colorful, play Sekiro and get to the end of that game. True. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I will say, though, when I think of Souls, I forget about Sekiro. And it's just, I think it's just because it's such a departure from, like, what the Souls games kind of look like that I just never grab that and put it in that same bucket of Souls games. So, that's on me. I'll, I'll say that's on me. Um, but yeah, in this uh, gameplay reveal, they show a good amount of stuff. I think part of some of the content they showed was also shown back in E3 that was behind closed doors because... Um, I do remember a lot of the people talking about how they were in the open world and like a dragon touched down and started like wrecking this camp. And then like in this trailer, we kind of see something very similar to that. But then it um, it spirals to the player itself fighting this dragon. And it 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 was really cool to watch. And it gave me pangs of dragon's dogma just in terms of like you are running around trying to do damage to this um Trying to do damage to this dragon, minus the whole being able to jump and climb on it and stab it in his back that way. But um, it was really cool to watch. It was really pretty to watch as well. And I liked, throughout the trailer overall, I liked the different 
Um, I, I just want to clarify something. TJ brought up Dragon Zogma, and I couldn't let this a front lie. Dragon Zogma was clearly stealing from Demon Souls. Moving on. Okay. Yeah. Okay. If it was, it, it did a good job. It, it did a really good job. <laughs> but um, yeah. Like uh, I, I really like the the variety of weapons like they showed throughout the trailer. Um, I think the combat was fluid enough that I think I will jive with very well. Whereas I think. When I think of Dark Souls, the you know the meme is the person rolling around, rolling around, rolling around, attacking, rolling around, rolling around. And it's just like, eh, uh, I don't know about all that. But like, I do really appreciate them showing this gameplay to get a better sense of, you know, what you would be doing in the world. And I think a lot of people was kind of wondering like what this actually amounts to, what the open world amounts to. And I think they did a good job of showing all that. Um, what are your thoughts on this? My thought was, huh, it sure looks like a Souls game. The only interesting new element to this game was the open worldness of it mm -hmm. in regards to, oh, they feel the very Breath of the Wild-esque, which yeah. was never really exciting to me, but it's a Souls game. It's Miyazaki. I trust him to make this an actual interesting thing to be about. Uh, combat, uh, animation, like they're straight up using the same animation from other Souls games like like this very much just felt like more souls and I'm super happy about it. so it's one of those things from I'm reading in the chat and you and you and Sean like oh man they're doing this they're doing this they're doing this and I just I had to resist me saying to everything I'm like this is in, this is in Bloodborne this is in Dark Souls this is in Demon Souls <laughs> like they're not doing anything new <laughs> like so I'm excited well, that like said, yeah I'm it's super new to me <laughs> it, it, okay yeah it's like uh I'm excited for Elden Ring. I'm super mm -hmm. excited for it. I like that they're going back to a more Souls-esque because nothing nothing hurts my soul than having Sekiro being the outlier of the Souls franchise I just cannot beat because it's, like, just oh. so goddamn hard. And, it's like, yeah. it's one of those things where, like, when people talk about the difficulty of Souls games, they're talking about Sekiro. All the others are just RPGs, and you can get through them if you're determined enough. Sekiro's yeah. like, I no, you need to learn the window and animations for parries <laughs> you can't <laughs> just rely on like brute forcing it. <laughs> yeah yeah okay okay that's interesting um yeah I, I think because uh they they have a network test that's slated for uh sometime this weekend in... i believe it's this weekend is this uh, so, weekend? The, oh. so it's the weekend of the uh, the seventh when we recorded this that's pretty much where yeah. i'm seeing a lot of influencers talking about hey we've got elden ring we're playing a network test right now mm, okay because i signed up for that and i'm kind of waiting to see if i got it or not um yeah i think my only hesitance or i guess my only fear of this of what they've shown is that i am not going to jive with the actual like controls of the game and it's one of those things where I just I just hope that because I don't I don't remember in Bloodborne I think I just kind of played it not really well uh, Blood, from what I can remember really about the, the controls no. if from what but, I can remember from Bloodborne it was R one was light attack R two with heavy attack triangle was using your uh fucking uh no your your heels I think square mm -hmm. was to use your ability no okay so left trigger square was to use your like your your equipped item. Circle was like interact. No, circle was dodge, and X was interactions. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, yeah, because like I, I just I if if it allows me to like 
change my buttons, then I'm definitely going to be all for it. But um, we'll see. That that's one of those things. And I I, I do remember the attacking with the triggers and just like I'm not I'm not really a fan of that was my that big issue of God of War. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right, like you're I right, yeah. I found this profoundly un like foreign to my head to be using melee but not using a square and triangle. Yes. Yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. So we'll we'll see what they do with that, and hopefully they allow for um some uh customization in terms of the buttons uh i really liked the um i don't know i don't know how i don't know what they call it in terms of the like the ghost system like summoning the different enemies to help spirits. You i believe they people. call them spirits yeah Is spirits okay yeah i really like that that looked really cool like in the actual gameplay they showed almost like a, a combo with one of the spirits where spirits attack the enemy and then the character followed up with like some uh like a like two or three hit combo or whatever and like stuff like that is really appealing to me because it's like okay well even if this game does get like difficult, you can you can kind of cut that by just summoning some spirits. And I, I think, um, per the information that's come out to now, like you can only summon spirits in certain situations or something. It's one of those things that's that's a new addition to, from what I can tell from old Souls games, is being able to because yeah. you would always summon people, but like there are always certain areas you could do it from, thing like that. This seems to be like, hey, you can literally summon here three or four Pokemon to help you in this fight, which I'm interested to see <laughs> how that scales with difficulty. Right. Because one and of also the things. How that scales with uh, co op, because you can have the four people co op with you now. Knowing souls, it's not going to be as it, this is not like a borderlands with drop in, drop in co op. It's like I'm, it's gonna, I'm pretty sure it's going to be like I one of you has to ring the summoning bell, the other two have to tap in the password, <laughs> and then the minute one person goes through another area, the, uh, everything drops and you have to do it again. Uh, oh man, I doubt they're going to let you remap controls in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I guess you have to stop being puffy uh, and just learn to play the game the way it uh, wants you to play. I hate learning, <laughs> but yeah, overall, um, I really like what I saw from the trailer. Um, it was uh, one of the things that they showed where the character had like some kind of uh wind attack with the sword, and I was uh, like, Oh, that's cool. Is that oh, that's what's called? Then, no, that's so I, 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 I've been thinking about other Souls games, and you can do shit like that in other Souls games. Oh, no, what I'm saying is that that was cool. And then later on in the trailer, like the character was climbing up. Oh, it was the uh, the castle part. And they they came up to an enemy, and the enemy did the same attack. And I was like, oh shit. <laughs> I was like, oh no. <laughs> you have my ability. <laughs> uh, oh, but um, speaking of the castle part, I absolutely got a great laugh from when the character that was playing through this uh gameplay trailer they got up to the castle they ducked into one of the little rooms and they talked to one of the npcs the npc is like uh oh, you can go through the front gate but i would advise it you could actually just go through this side portion here and um you know that would probably be a lot safer for you and the person playing <laughs> was like Nah, I'm gonna go through the front gate. And the guy was like, "All right, well, if you're gonna do that, I'll just have them open the gate for you." So he went out. He opened the the, the NPC opened the gate, and the guy just got like laid down with just like crossbows or whatever. And just like Jesus, if the NPC says go this way, just go that way. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, um, I think I will wrap this up by just kind of um. 
Just kind of really talking about the co-op section that they showed where they were fighting the the guy on horseback with the like finger shield and the, the I think it was the axe or something or no, I think it was a sword that he had. But um yeah, they showed some of the like special attacks and such. Even actually throughout the throughout the trailer showing a bunch of special attacks. And this game looks really really pretty. Like I am kind of amazed by how good the attacks looks compared to, I guess, in my mind, what I think a Dark Souls game kind of looks like. And again, I know this is probably just me not having all the information and just going based off of the 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 bucket full of screenshots and videos that I've seen from the games so far. But yeah, it looks really cool. Like I like the um, the co-op partner did like a dragon head fire attack where the the dragon had kind of came out of the the player and they were like shooting fire at the enemy it was like oh this looks this looks really good my only hope is that like when you play the game it actually looks like that because it could be a a, a vertical slice where like oh yeah we can we can spend the extra uh, processing points on this because we're not worrying about rendering like x y and z like that, that's happening off screen or whatever but yeah like overall this looks really good. I am excited for this game. I am finally excited for this game, and uh, I'm pretty sure I will be um, getting your Elden Ring friend code to enter in, so I can jump into your game. And although I will be playing, I will only be playing Elden Ring. Oh, Elden! Wow, Elden Ring as a solo experience as a true oh, we'll Souls connoisseur. I will allow oh, you we'll to summon see. me. I'll allow you to summon my level 100 character who's beaten the game and all the max levels now to make the game easy for you, but I will not <laughs> be calling upon you plebeians to aid in my, in my search for the Elden Ring. It's going to be me and Sean be like, hey, Avery, come outside. We want to play. <laughs> oh, man. But that will happen sometime next year, and this game better not get delayed. I'll tell you all. <laughs> Uh, well, we hope you enjoyed the episode as much as we enjoyed making it. Don't forget to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting app because every little bit counts. In case you miss any of this, you can find all the details and more on our website at pressxnumber2start.com. Don't forget, if you're watching this video on YouTube, hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. And if you see a notification bell, make sure you smash it. As Sean would say, smash the notification bell. Or, no, he said, like, smash the the... The like, I don't know. He said something and I laughed. It was a couple episodes. Go check it out. Um, with that being said, uh, now you know what to do. Go watch our content, have fun, enjoy, and have a good, good day. Wash your hands.